Right. So are we going to continue our podcast or are you, are you um, joining the Down Under Photo Show? I have a confession. I've, <laughs> I didn't want to break it to you in front, just, just personally. Oh, wow. There you go. This is big, big news for me, guys. Uh, so sorry to everyone if I'm a bit quiet on this episode. They're a little bit loose, a little bit unstrung, and they've probably had a few beers beforehand. Please welcome Matt Crummins and Tom Fancy Pants Putt with yet another episode of Matt and Tom's Excellent Adventure. What is going on? I had to refresh my browser. You know what it was? It's probably Zencaster didn't recognise me as being someone who would be in your podcasting room. <laughs> It probably got confused and thought, no, I won't let that guy in. He doesn't look like part of the crew. I think it was expecting Cam Blake and he got you instead. That's pretty much exactly what I was alluding to. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I see. I'm a bit slow on the uptake, aren't I? <laughs> well, you have been um, out in the bush just clearing your mind for the last week. So, you know, I get it. You're probably just, you know, coming back to this technology world and, and yeah. That's it. Rediscovering yourself. <laughs> Rediscovering. I did that. I did that already in the last week or so, yeah. How are you? I'm good. I've had a solid nine hours sleep last night, which is quite unlike me. So I'm feeling tired but refreshed. Does that make sense? Uh, It absolutely makes sense. Refreshed, though, is good part because I don't mind being a little tired as long as you feel refreshed. But when you don't feel refreshed, not good, (laughs) especially if you're not tired. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I haven't, had, I haven't had enough coffee to keep up with this conversation this morning. That's okay. That's okay. So where have you been? Tell everyone where you've been and what you've been doing. Uh, I was going to ask about you first, but there you go. You've jumped straight in to the to the main body and the main crux of this um, podcast, which is I just spent a remarkable eight days um, paddling down the Franklin River in far southwest Tasmania with our bestest friend Cameron Blake and it was amazing it was incredible as as I've already reached out to you I think you would thoroughly enjoy the experience as well um, not just for the photographic opportunities of which there are many but um, as an experience to obviously see a very remote part of the world which has such cultural significance in recent history to the Australian um, wilderness I guess you'd say and one that I think every landscape photographer I would hope would want to visit at some stage in their lives, given the fact that Australia's most famous landscape photograph in recent times comes from that lovely little spot being Peter Dombrovskis Rock Island Bend. And for those listening who do not know what I'm talking about, shame on you and start Googling and do a bit of research. And yes, educate. Sorry, Tom, what am I Googling? It's Rock <laughs> Island. <laughs> Mate. You've got it as a big wallpaper on your wall, I understand. It uh, sits at the end of the bedroom there and uh, you look at it every day and just wish to be more like him. Absolutely. And now tell me, so this was, was this a photography trip, uh, yeah. a, an adventure trip, or was it more of a honeymoon? <laughs> it was all three rolled into one. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. You've nailed it. I swear, you know, you, you just got an elegant way of putting things, Matthew. You're so good like that. I try my hardest. I try my hardest. I, wa- I, I, I've I got to say. Just like a honeymoon, I think it was either going to make us or break us. And, yeah, uh, right. 
and and I think it made us. I think at the end of the day, uh, we didn't kill each other. Surprisingly, um, I, I tried in vain to keep up with his uh, quick wittedness and his smart alley comments, and I I just gave up after day one. And uh, we all had a good time. Go on. What were you going to say? No, I, that that that's fantastic news. So was this? Were you there as a? Now you've you've said there's another one of these happening next year. There certainly is. Yes. Yeah. And you're running it. No, in conjunction with Cameron. This is his turf. I, I don't want to step oh. off his his turf. So intrude on his patch, so to speak. So he's been. This was, I think, his sixth time that he's taken participants down the river. And so I just team up with him and invite my guests as well and we all go as one big happy family. Oh, look, there you go. I was wondering that because I noticed over the last year or so that you've been bumping into Cam on some of your workshops. I know that um, near Lake Air you guys bumped into each other and, yes. you know, up at Bright maybe bumped into it. There's just a few little spots. I was wondering whether this was like, you know, if, if the parents get a divorce and then they have a new girlfriend or boyfriend and they want to introduce the kids and, the safest place is like, oh, we just happened to bump into them in the supermarket. Oh, just whilst we're here, I'll introduce you to my friend. And then ultimately they end up living in the same house. And you're like, wait, how did that escalate it? This so, is something out of Muriel's wedding. Deerfield Chambers, what a coincidence. <laughs> um, there you go. It is something like that. I mean, I mean, Cam's trying to intrude on my patch and I've told him, you know, without a shadow of a doubt that he's not to do that. So, um that's right. okay. We, we will probably no doubt bump into each other, but there's a mutual respect and love just like for you and you and I have, Matt. Right. So are we going to continue our podcast or are you, <laughs> are you um, joining well, the Down Under Photo Show? Is I have a confession. You do. You are, aren't you? I've, I've, I, I didn't want to break it to you in front, just, just personally. In public, Tom. In public. In, public, in a cafe, very busy cafe where you can't make a scene. But I am joining their podcast just as a one-off this Thursday night. Oh, well, that's a bit dodgy. I I got to say, it starts off like that, and then all of a sudden, your clothes are at their house, and it's three nights a week, and <laughs> then it's full time. You're leaving your toothbrush there. <laughs> that's just it. That's just it. Oh wow, there you go. This is big big news for me, guys. Uh, so sorry to everyone if I'm a bit quiet on this episode. Um, I'm I'm suspecting that. Uh, yeah, the the lawyers lawyers will be coming in soon and um and telling me I need to clear my stuff out. So, all good. Uh, now, that's it. These, now, these CDs are the ones that you brought into the relationship. Don't forget. To do that. <laughs> Otherwise, I'll be throwing them in the bin. Oh, <laughs> just out of spite. Just out of spite. Exactly. And tell me, so did you get some good photos? I mean, yeah. like ignore the fact that you know I'm I'm a little bit hurt. Um. Okay. Tell me, did, was it photography-wise? Was it was it was it a success just, just story? Go, hold on, hold on. Just to clear the air with everybody, there is limited places for next year. I'm not doing that to be, ah, uh, you know, make it exclusive and all that other stuff that other perhaps landscape workshop participants do in order to make themselves feel good. But there genuinely is only ten places available, and we've filled over half of them already. And I've been handpicking the people that I would love to come along. Um, sorry, I have been playing favourites and you have received an invitation and you have declined to accept. Oh, it's, it wouldn't say it's so much a decline to accept, Tom, but I, you know full well I can't afford to go on your workshops. Oh, come on. You One day. Even, you have not even asked the price, so how could you afford not to come? Oh, I'd look, to be, you're right, I didn't. Would you like to disclose the price to me on, on public? Uh... <laughs> I was going to have you come as my guest. I was <gasps> Pay for you, 
just outright. I was going to say, Matthew, just as a, I feel like I've been doing a little bit of the dirty going behind your back and therefore I'd like to make it up to you by having you as my guest. By paying me off. You know what? <laughs> I'll probably take it. Uh... <laughs> it's so cheap. Like, I know, that, right? I know. You over, you dirty dog. You That's just... it. But, but you know what? In the settlement though, what's going to happen is you're going to be like, well, look, I did pay for his trip, so um, I am taking the CDs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. I just don't know what we're going to do with that dog we bought. You no, know, that's it. That's we can't, it. We can't have it. <laughs> maybe you could have a maybe you could have a week at your place and then a week at mine. We oh share gosh, like, that would be. You know what? I have heard of people doing that. I have heard that of, oh. of like pet custody sharing, and I just it blows my mind because the dog must just be like, "What on earth is going on?" My dog loves it. He's sitting here right now. He is our third child. When uh, you know, going into sort of more serious matters here, when I split, um, that was that that was the sort of um harmonious uh third child that came into the relationship and therefore whenever the kids come to my place so does mickey my beautiful dog and so we do have shared custody of them <laughs> I, I actually thought you were going to say the difficulty was like when there was only two kids it was pretty easy because you could split it 50 50 but when the dog now the third one now it's not an even split <laughs> terrible it causes me all sorts of um anxiousness oh gosh what the hell were you asking about five minutes ago before well, we I, I know it was uh, it's very surprising i get that but we were talking oh, about I, photography <laughs> <laughs> i know not not something you'd expect to hear on our podcast i know, I know um I know, I know, but what what so i was saying did you have a successful photography trip I, it does look like a bunch of fun i gotta admit it does look like something that you just go as an experience alone take out the photography aspect of yeah. it. it looks like a lot of fun yeah. with a lot of good fun people but um, obviously, it is also a photography trip, yes. and so um, did you get the? Did you did you manage to? Basically, I'm saying, did you manage to rip off um, uh, the Dombrovsky? <laughs> Just get straight to the boy, man. Yeah, like basically, it, will we be seeing the Rock Island Ben photo in the Tom Putt Gallery come September? You do not have to dance around the uh, skirt around the the uh, you know the sides here. Um, you know, it's an eight day trip, right? And it it is probably more an adventure than it is a photographic workshop. So I would say that they're equal parts. There's just as much time to take photographs, but there's just as much time where you need to be in a raft paddling because you're doing 120 kilometres down mm. a river. So it's not like um, there's just a couple hours in the morning and a couple hours in the afternoon and you're done. You're kind of like on the river by nine and you might be done by two or three or sometimes five. But there's times in between where you can drag your camera out and take photos. So there's plenty of opportunities for that. Sometimes the best photos are actually in the in the in the raft while you're paddling down the river and in the middle of the river. So you're able to see either side and there might be a waterfall coming down or the view ahead looking into the distance is amazing. So having like a small couple of the participants had a small Olympus waterproof camera that our little TG6 duvo, duvos. Yeah, have you had one yeah. of those? Oh, I have. They're amazing. Right. Yeah. Would you, I'd love to be able to see a raw file from them just to see the quality. But um, a few, three or four participants had those, so they could just reach down in, in their, into their vest, drag it out, take a quick snap as we were going along. And then when you make camp, there's plenty of time to explore and take photos. And I was actually surprised because um, – you pull up a camp and you make camp and then you go, oh, let's go for a little wander and you can find some really interesting stuff at each of the camps to photograph, which was great. Um, cool. What was I going to say? However, 
it's it's no picnic, believe me that much. Um, with the eight days we had, we had the first three days that were pretty calm and and relaxing, and sunshine shone on the second day. We even went for a swim in the river, which I would have oh, wow. probably about the same temperature as what Port Phillip Bay is at the moment, just freezing but refreshing. Well, that, then, I mean, it's freezing, but it's like, I mean, I would have thought when you say Tasmania and swimming in the same sentence, it doesn't bring up good thoughts. Like, <laughs> No, true. There's a bit of shrinkage. Um, but then day four, day four, that, that we go into a place called the Great Ravine, which is the hardest part of the trip. It's, it's extremely narrow, um, three to 500 metre cliffs on either side and several what they call portages where you've got big rocks and big rapids that you'd be crazy to try and raft through. So the guides expertly take you through there. You grab your camera, you go for a big hike over a hill or something, you know, um, which can be very steep and sort of treacherous in inverted commas. So you need to be, if you're doing this, you need to be somebody who's reasonably fit and agile and good on your feet. Um, you couldn't be somebody sort of, oh, I've got a bad knee and it gives me trouble or my back's no good. That's, that's going to be the trip for you. Um, and, and they will rope the, the rafts or paddle them themselves through those parts just to not put you in any danger. So that was a big day. That was that was a lot of more out of the boat than it was in the boat. And the river rose quite significantly um, over those two days as well, which meant that we had to – we got to Rock Island Bend on day five. What you need to realise, what is, what is most remarkable, I think, about that Rock Island Bend photo that we talk about with Peter Dombroskis is that – a, it's a, a beautiful photograph, obviously. B, it was used to, as, as a very significant photograph to save the Franklin River being dammed back in 1983. And if you read the history behind it, it, it really was very contentious and and it could have gone either way. It was, it was a dam that really didn't need to be built because um, at the end of the day, it was going to generate very little power. Um, it was going to flood a significant part of that whole area that we just spent eight days rafting down and destroy, you know, a beautiful part of the world, obviously, that was World Heritage listed too. This is the thing, you know, it was World Heritage listed and yet they still wanted to go in there and, and destroy the place. And the final vote that went to the High Court was 4-3 in favour of it being preserved as a wilderness area. So a vote the other way and it really would have been disastrous. So read up on that if you don't know the history the third thing i wanted to say about that area is that dombrovskis who was obviously an adventurer would have been you know they're right in their element there i guess exploring that part of the world but it's not an easy place to get to we'd spend five days rafting to get to rock island bend it's not like you just go oh, i'm going to go down the franklin and i'll be there you know day one it's five days of hard work to get there it's not easy at all it's probably one of the most remote landscape photography places that you could get to even these days you know even with all of our modern technology you still got to battle to get there you just don't get helicoptered in or oh we'll just take this shortcut there's no shortcuts so when we finally got there which was quite awesome the river was in major flood so it had risen a meter and a half overnight and we were paddling down that river when it was still rising and uh, negotiating some pretty hairy stuff. So by the time we got to Rock Island Bend, we basically had to um, stop, take some photos, obviously, and then portage, which is walk around to our next campsite, which was three hours away. 
which was only 500 metres down the river. But to get there, because the river was in flood, we had to hike up a very steep track through the rainforest, back down the other side, walk over very slippery rocks, put ropes alongside of cliffs and sort of wade uh, waist deep, if not chest deep, through water, then walk a lot along a whole lot more uh, slippery rocks in order to get to our campsite in the end, and that was well over three hours away. So um, that made me really appreciate what he had done in order to get that photograph, and I'm sure he went down the Franklin not just once but but many times because his friend and mentor Alagus Tricanus was also had a passion for paddling and and going down the Franklin River and exploring those sorts of areas. So to answer your question, Matthew, if you're still there, is that uh... sorry? What? What? <laughs> Start again? <laughs> no, I was about, honestly, I just Island um, <laughs> my photo of Rock Island Bend. I was kind of ambivalent as to whether I wanted to even take a photograph. I just I stood there for a long time, just taking it in and just reflecting on what how significant that photo was and how many years I've looked at that photo. But then I was compelled to take a photo, but it's absolutely rubbish. I mean, the thing about that place, well, A, because the water is just, just think of, have you ever seen um, the photos of like um, Barren Falls up near Cairns? Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolute flood and all that. Think think of that and then think that was what the Franklin River was like when we got there. It was like mm, the door. A bit messy. <laughs> a bit messy is an understatement. And, and, then, and then also to... You're taking that photograph for yourself and your own sort of like, I've been here and 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 I've visited this spot, but you can't better that photo that he's done. So there's no point saying, oh, well, this bloke came here and did it, but I could do a better job. Like that's the wrong mindset. Um, mm. so, so it's more of a more of a creating your own memory of it rather than just yeah. replicating replicating what you've uh, what you've seen there. Yeah, yeah, that's it. I think the we did come up with a different way that it could possibly be done, which has never been done before. But it's oh my a, god, I know what it is. God, tell right, me, god. is it an under over split shot, half underwater, half above water? That that was not the idea, but that is a brilliant idea. Yeah, All right, maybe I will come next year. <laughs> I might, I might come next year, Tom, with your scuba gear. Yeah, um, no, that would certainly be very good. Um, it would actually be really crap because you're probably couldn't see anything underwater. And just be like, <laughs> There's nothing to muck. There's yeah. nothing to see. Uh, the, the the way that we came up with it was under snow. Now, you've got to realise that that's only 40 metres above sea level, so it would need to be an extremely cold weather system that was predicted to put snow on the beaches in Hobart in order to possibly get snow there. And you've got to be five days in advance to get because it takes five days to get there you've got to be well prepared and it's and the river would be extremely high because it's winter with all the water um it's just logistically a nightmare so it would um, also be pretty cold i imagine (laughs) slightly cold in winter down there yeah they don't run they don't run trips down there in winter surprisingly that would make it even harder to get that photo tom yeah yeah look not something i'm going to be chasing all that soon Uh, no again you know like it's interesting. It brings up the point, which is sort of like a, 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 an add-on to this conversation, which is what are those photos, particularly here in Australia, where somebody has done it so well that it's it's not worth replicating. It's not worth going there and trying doing something better. 
Mm. There's not that many that I can think of, but it's a topic for either this conversation or another. But yeah, it's kind of like, but it kind of sort of gets to that silly land grab, or or you know, if you go to a place and put it on social media and it gets enough traction, well then you own that that space or that spot because you're seemingly the first who's got that photo on social, yeah. media, which I don't like. It, well, the thing I think is that you, you, you that it, it very quickly it can very quickly I think turn from being a um, you're bettering the photo um, to you're kind of copying it with pizzazz. <laughs> yes. If you know what I mean, like especially with editing techniques and things these days, I feel like unless you're going to really do a full retake on the composition and stuff, I feel as though yeah, you, it's 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 a pretty tricky tricky thing to, to navigate with seeing someone else's work and then being like, I'll, I'll better that, you know? Yeah. I think, I think at the end of the day, this gets back to my Wanaka tree, you know, um, controversy a few years ago where I posted on Facebook that no one else needs to go and take a photograph of the Wanaka tree and please don't post it on social type thing. And my point, not being opinionated at all, no, but, um, no, no, not judging anyone really, but you know, a lot of people either agreed with me or, strongly disagreed to say well just because you've been there and doesn't mean we can't go there and get a photograph i wasn't saying that i think what i was more saying behind that meaning was um there's so many great places there yet to be photographed well or at all that um i think there's i think there's more interest for me to go beyond what's been done already so i think there's nothing better before social media I used to love nothing better than going exploring. Sorry? Thank you. There's nothing better than whatever makes it. Good. Sorry, everyone. That was just our production assistant um, <laughs> in, in the studio. Just uh... No. What happened? I had a disaster while I was away. I took this. I bought this very nice uh, down jacket, lightweight down jacket, and it survived the trip brilliantly. And then I'm at Salamanca Markets. I walked past this chair. The jacket got caught on the chair and ripped a hole in it. And oh, I was devastated. Feathers, feathers went everywhere, and that wasn't just from my pink feather boa either. Is it is it fair to say that it made you feel a little bit down? <laughs> uh, um, where are we getting at? Yeah, there's just lots of places to photograph and see. And and what I used to love before social media was going to a place and exploring, and then feeling like I was the first to photograph it. Mm, and it doesn't really happen anymore. Doesn't happen much, does it? No. Yeah. But that said, like, there's a lot of spots that I, I kind of get it because you know we, like, Spa Pool, I think is a great example of that where right. um, everyone who goes past that that spot in Caragini is going to get that photo. Yeah. And there is really outside of the time of day that you shoot it, and there's really only a few times a day where it looks half decent. Yep. Um, there's really no other way to reimagine that spot. But as you say, around the area, like there are people often are beelining to get to the spot that they ignore everything else. So there's a lot of overlooked opportunity. If anything, I'd actually almost say that those spots where there is like an iconic photo that already exists, um, they're almost better places to go and photograph because everyone's so distracted by trying to capture the thing that's already been done yep. that all the other stuff is completely unrealized. Whereas if yes. you go to a spot where it's kind of boring, everyone's gotten there going, geez, what could I do with this? And they really look around. And so, you know, they've probably captured every angle of it. Yeah, you know, and, and I think where you're driving at there is that if you um, challenge yourself to get what hasn't been done already, then that's more likely to reveal something to you, isn't it? I mean, let's say, for example, most recently on the trip, you 
place. Did you just slip in? Did you slip a word in then? What word? Did you? Well, you know, sometimes people kind of go like the little challenges. You know, you got to slip in. You know, what was what was it? Is it super I, troopers who have to say like the meow? You know, I didn't do it on purpose. Because you, you what just said moist recently on the trip. No, I didn't. Say <laughs> and here I am thinking maybe this is a bit of a, a Tom Blake challenge. See if you can say moist on your podcast without anyone realizing it in in a completely out of context way. <laughs> That's what I felt like. Just saying. It was very it was very <laughs> moist down the river, I tell you that much. Yeah, well. I tell you what, we got sick of being wet and moist for uh, eight days. You get up in the morning, it's cold, you have some breakfast and you slip on your uh, your wetsuit and it's wet from the day before and you're wet from the start to the end. But, um, well, I can't even remember what I was saying, <laughs> Matt. <laughs> <laughs> you get, you'd make camp. That's what I was saying. You make camp and then you go, okay, well, let's go exploring. Let's go and see if we can create some photos. And maybe initially you're not seeing anything, but if you spend time enough in the landscape, you go, oh, okay, that could look interesting if I used a wide-angle lens here and took a few photos. I'll, I'll, um, yeah, I'll flick you across a couple to show you what I mean. You know, just some logs by the side of the river and you're like, um, it's just rubbish. But the next thing you know, we've created something quite nice. That's the shot. So, yeah. And that's, I think, well, that's it. it's sort of, a, in, I'll say, an interesting topic for today. Um, that, oh, we, we have one. Well, <laughs> I mean, we haven't had one in a few episodes, so it right. might be worth having one today. Yeah, but okay. like, okay, so people are obviously... Um, you know, I think especially now that we're getting towards what is supposed to be summer, I know that it's no, it's just disgusting anyway, but um, we'll hopefully get to a point where people are getting out a bit more because it's the weather's improving. Um, oh, where are you at? You're obviously not in Melbourne. <laughs> well, I mean, hopefully. As you know, the last time I spoke on this podcast was I was at Shark Bay in Western Australia, which was mm. uh, lovely weather. That was mid-October. And I've got home to rain and then gone away again and got home to more stuff. I mean, it just seemingly not stopping here in melbourne no no um we've been flooding non-stop on our in our place we, i was digging trenches all day yesterday um but, but the uh, like people are hopefully i'm saying hopefully we get to some better weather soon and people will get out and about i mean at least if it's not better weather it's, it's going to be christmas summer holidays soon so people will be out and about yeah um you know, when the whole COVID pandemic-y stuff started to wrap up, um, you know, we everyone got out there with their cameras and then, you know, probably had this really big burst of inspiration going out shooting stuff because you haven't shot stuff in ages. And then yeah. then there's been a bit of a lull because we've had a really, really wet, pretty horrible winter spring. Um, if you're going out, what techniques do you think people can have to reimagine places that they've probably already been because that's realistically over summer holidays most people kind of return to the same haunts yeah. um you know family holiday spots camping things like that i mean one that i i really like the idea of is um i've been sh I've, I've been investing in primes at the moment yes. that's been like a really big move which i've never supported i've always been like hey i've got one or two primes that i kind of go yeah look that's a handy one to have um for for the sort of style i shoot but i've been really getting my teeth sunk into to going no no like let's really analyze this and to be honest even if you're shooting the exact same settings on a zoom lens to a prime lens so for instance if you shot on a 24 to 70 f 2.8 and then shot on like a 35 millimeter prime but still at f 2.8 there is something different it is just phenomenally sharper yeah. um which gives it that 3d pop so i reckon one really amazing way to 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 look at things differently is 
go to those same spots, but go there with a lens that maybe you wouldn't traditionally take to that spot. So rather than taking a wide lens out on all your landscapes, only take like a mid zoom. Yep. Yeah. That's an interesting point. When you initially brought up that topic, I was like, yep, take a different lens. Mm. Yep. That would be my first and foremost. And I think to add to that, take a photograph you wouldn't normally take. Now that sounds very obvious as well. We <laughs> it's kind of the, the point of taking the shot, isn't we it? We get into this rut of, you know, like shooting our style and shooting the same subjects or shooting from the same viewpoint, wherever it might be. But um, you never know what's possible or what could look good if you just try something different. Mm. That's uh, something that I, I continually challenging myself with. Um, I get a height challenge would work. So like sorry? if you, a height challenge so, like, if you're going somewhere for, you know, let's say you're going camping or something for three days or, or a week or whatever, on one day only shoot from, like, eye height, which I'm going to call tourist height. Yep. One day only – and go to the exact same spot and then only shoot from, like, being on your knees. Then only or shoot from on lying – Yeah, and then go lying on the ground and actually have these three different iterations. Or even if you're taking the one shot, just go, hey, okay, I'm going to try this. Put it on your tripod and raise it above, like, raise it higher in the air. I think um, everyone should be climbing trees. Yeah, like absolutely. I mean, not to mention the koala hugs you get, but um, <laughs> or the drop bears. Um, but honestly, like you know, um, Wilson's Prom is a great example where if you get down on the beaches there, there's boulders at either end. Get there, get to those um, and carefully, you know, get up on top of those boulders, and you get a great viewpoint. Yeah. So getting higher still is a great way to see the world also. And I, I love that. I, I would say that probably 90% of my shots are taken from sort of eye level, which most of us do. But absolutely, yeah, just being able to get down low or get up a bit higher can obviously make a world of difference. Just the mm. top of feet, either, either way, really changes that, that the way that the landscape tilts either away from us or towards us. So, yeah. You also, you've also got the, um, you know, things like shooting in, only shooting black and white for a day, even if you convert it to colour later. Um, now, now explain that to people because they often get confused by that. They think, oh, if I turn my camera to black and white, do all my photos download as black and white? Yeah, no, well, no, no. Yeah. So you're shooting raw, then they're always going to retain the color, which is actually really scary when you've shot black and white and the photos look really good because they would shot for black and white. Yes. Then you download them, they go to color, and you're like, what drugs was I on? This yeah, is yeah, rubbish. Because yeah, <laughs> it only good, looks good in black and white. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so you know, you're JPEG and raw. It's actually quite good, I think, if you're shooting in black and white to shoot JPEG plus raw because right. – you're, at least the, the JPEG gives you a good awesome. indication of what you were supposed to achieve, whereas the raw file will be color. So um, yeah, there's so also a setting. When you download, you're getting both the color and the, the black and white. So you Yeah, exactly. So you can kind of like gives you something yeah. to pitch towards with your, um, yeah. uh, with your edits as well. But I was going to say there is another setting. I'm struggling to find where it is now. Um, it is in your Lightroom, in your preferences or catalog preferences or one of those ones file handling maybe um and you can have um you got to change it to treat um jpeg plus raw as two separate files yeah yeah otherwise uh, it stacks on top of each other doesn't it yeah, you can't see yeah. Both. exactly so you won't yeah. see your jpeg it'll hide um in behind the raw file and you can't there's no way to i don't think there's any way to see it um yep. so i can't for the life of me remember how you do that but um, Google it. Google yeah, it. that's it. Google it. What's the specific <laughs> term? The specific term is to treat the oh, no, here it is. JPEG as separate files. It is in the preferences and it yes. is under general and it's one of the checkboxes, the fourth checkbox down. Treat JPEG files next to raw files as separate photos. 
I'm going to um, actually make sure that that mine's set to yeah, that. Yeah, my, mine was not set to that. I just realised. No, it's so. a default not to <laughs> yeah. not be set to that. So preferences, general, for treat-based JPEG files. Yeah, import options, guys. The second box down and the fourth tick box down, treat JPEG files next to raw files as separate photos. Excellent. Mm. I, I, I've, I don't shoot raw plus JPEG, so I've not often had to use that function. So no, yeah, but you'd be pretty. Fun. You'd be pretty good at, at also knowing that if you've shot something in black and white, or if you shot something and you were going to make it in black and white, you, you've got the the experience um, doing this day in day out, like to actually go, oh yeah, cool. I know what I was trying to achieve. You're not going to just look at it and be like, what the hell. Whereas I think someone who picks their camera yep. up every now and then, that yep. you know, it's a bit of a risk because you might even go shooting for the day, but you might not download those photos for a week and you no. kind of forgot what was going on. And so, um, yeah, unless you're pretty experienced, I think JPEG plus RAW can sometimes be good because it, yep. you know, it just gives you, even if you're just shooting color, to be honest. Yep. Um, totally agree. A lot of my participants do JPEG plus RAW because yeah. um, they want to be able to easily just um, perhaps just ping those JPEG files off on social media or email them to people as well. Yeah. Rather than having to process the raw files and then, you know, um, export them into lower res, et cetera, et cetera, they just easily just use those JPEGs to do as such. It brings mm. up two points. Two things is for me um, that I'll try and remember. One is... <laughs> it, is it's, it is two whole things, Tom. So I know, you know two things. Ease up, Tiger. <laughs> Don't want to get covered too much in this podcast. We'll have nothing to talk about next week. <laughs> or next month, whenever we Yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, the, the two things I want to say is if you're processing a colour image and the colour's not right, you know, there's not a lot of colour in it, but there's strong contrast between the black and the whites, which is often what occurs anyway. That's why there's not a lot of colour. Converting it to black and white can save a photograph, as in you might think it's rubbish as a colour photograph, but you turn it to black and white and it's unreal. Mm. And the second thing is how scared was I not having anything to download each day on this trip because we're rafting and we're taking very limited communication. No laptop? <laughs> no laptop, no saxophone to play at night and oh, serenade. What did you even do all day? I know, I know. but that I just I'm very uneasy when I've only just got the cameras the photos in the camera and nothing else so yeah I was um, itching to get back to Hobart and be able to ironically I took away three hard drives with me and two out of the three as I'm downloading filled up and said oh no we're full <laughs> you can't download anymore I'm like oh, good God. so yes um having enough cards so that you can not have to delete as you go would be an option mm. because you don't want to be deleting photographs before you've even... Um, I never do. Yeah, no. no. Can I make a suggestion actually, one that I think I've probably mentioned before, but it's a card technique or a card strategy Go on. Um, that people... That I don't know. Sometimes people are like this. Sometimes people don't. Most cameras take two cards these days. I want to say most cameras. I'm going to say they most don't. enthusiast cameras and above take two cards these days. Yep. Um, so there's... Um, there's a little little bit of a trick that I I don't actually use myself, but I think I'm going to start using because I've run into this problem with my memory cards on my camera. They're, they're horribly expensive memory cards. Um, Are you still using those ones that you gave to me? Uh, no. Um, you're using those. Right. <laughs> no, you <laughs> so know I, what I, I mean. Can't. You're, you're, no, using, no. you're using so, SDs. I'm using SDs, right. So my Sony uh, A1 takes compact flash A cards and yep. they've only just like this week announced that they're they're doing a 640 gig and a 320 gig and a 256 gig compact flash a card um 
In, is the compact until, a card different to the one you gave me again? Yeah, different still. Days. Yeah, right. Um, so the compact flash A cards, uh, as an example, um, hold on, I'm just going to type it into my. All right, so a a 160 gig compact flash A card is $560. Um, yep. They've just announced that they've they're bringing out, um, and they're not yet on the market, I don't think, but it's a 320 and a 640 gig one, and they go up to about $1,500 for the card. And I'm yeah. like, that's redonkulous. That's a lot for a yeah. memory card, isn't it? Not to mention the fact that my computer, the little SD card slot, doesn't take compact flashes. So you need to buy a $200 card reader and then lug yes. that around and that's a pain. Or you can use USB-C connections with your camera, but it's annoying. So um, I use SD cards and they've got a new, or they've got two types of these. I use the Sony Tough cards because they're really quite fast and they're tough and they're good. Um, but again, the 256 gig card in the slower version is like, I don't know, $400. And then the fast version is like $800. So yep. it still turns out to be like $1,500 memory cards just to have something decent. So um, a strategy that I've, I've used in the past is um, you can buy a SanDisk one terabyte card. Jesus. Yeah, it's bloody massive. Um, so SanDisk one terabyte, uh, I'm just looking it up here, is $359. Now... Yep. It's not tremendously fast though, right? So for a landscape photographer, who cares? Um, if you're doing, um, you know, uh, a lot of other stuff, you know, you might care a bit more. But here's, here's what, I try, what I'm thinking. In your secondary slot, right, you put a one terabyte card in. And then in your primary slot, you use your fast card. Fast card, yeah. And so you, you can actually shoot fast. And then... Exactly right. Yeah. But what it'll do in theory is write to your fast card and then it'll duplicate across to your second card as a backup. Yeah. And so what you can do is every day you can actually flush out your, um, you know, you could in theory delete your card A and you've got almost like a built-in one terabyte hard drive into your camera. Yeah. Um, which I think would be a really interesting concept. Yeah. What Whether are your or not it works or not, I'm not totally sure, but yeah. Sorry, what are your thoughts on, you know, fast cards versus, you know, the slower ones? Uh, to be honest, it really depends on what camera you're using, I think, and also what you're shooting. Like, for instance, if you're doing landscapes, I really couldn't care less. Um, yeah. uh, that said, other though, there are... Than, other than shooting aerials. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, I've never had a problem, even perhaps it's those new um, cards that I'm using now in that uh, Nikon Z7. But... Well, those XQD cards are like the fastest cards you can buy. So are they? Okay, yeah. that's why I'm not a problem anymore. <laughs> I was going to say, I know I haven't. I know I have an idea. Problem, but yeah. your compact, your uh, XQD card, right? The um, the I think there are 100. And, there was a 240 gig one. I think there was a 256 gig. Yep. Yeah. Okay. So the 256 card card gig card is 560 dollars. Yeah. Wow. So to give you an idea, like they're top speed cards. So that's why you've not had a problem. Um, right. But really, but realistically, well done, <laughs> realistically though, if you think about it, the the right speed of um, of these cards, you know, for an average punter, it might be like an average card might be like ninety megabits per second. Yep. Now, if my Sony A one shoots, my raw file is a hundred megabytes. So that's going to take just over one second to write one file. Right. But if you're shooting on, say, like an Olympus, you know, OM1, the file size is like 20 megabytes. So it can write like five, you know, shots or four shots a second to the card. Yeah. Um, 
Now, if you're doing aerial stuff, you probably don't need more than four shots a second. So a standard card's probably totally fine. Yeah. But if you were shooting, say, you know, on your Z7, um, which is a high resolution, your file or a game going to be about 100 megapixels, 100 megabytes, sorry. Um, yeah, that, that's going to be a bit of an issue. So I kind of think, to, to be honest, most people don't need fast cards, but what you do need is a reliable card. Yeah. So like, you know, your Lexar, SanDisk, Sony, yeah, those sort brands. of brands. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Um, I see a lot of those ProMaster cards kicking around and I've never specifically had an issue with ProMaster as a brand or as a card, but ProMaster... Um, is a more generic brand and I kind of worry a little bit sometimes for people that if you are on a trip like your Mount Franklin one uh, or sorry Franklin River one um you're, you're gonna you'll be relying on that as a storage device yes. and uh if something goes wrong I also suspect that they might not have the same sort of customer support <laughs> as what I say SanDisk <laughs> does so um to recover things so yeah yeah what about portable storage now that we've talked about that as well like have you played around with any of this yeah i mean i shoot on um i've got a, a sandisk four terabyte little thing it's like the size of a credit card yep um and that kind of travels with me and my laptop that's probably the biggest one if you, if you buy a laptop i always think that as much as it's the most expensive upgrade you can do upgrade the shit out of your hard drive right Be- because like think about it, all the dongly bits you've got on your computer right like, if you've got external drives, that's not a problem, but um, it means that you know anytime you want to pull up a file to edit or something, like say like you're on a plane flying back from somewhere and you just want to spend the flight editing or you yeah. know, you're sitting in a cafe, um, having things hanging off your computer, we all know is probably the most dangerous thing you can do. Like you're going to, if yes. something's going to break, it's going to be when it's yes. hanging off like that. Yeah. So, you know, I, I spec my laptop up to have a four terabyte solid state drive in it. Um, which is tremendously fast, but it means I can store like the last six months of photos on there, and then I kind of I kind of archive them off onto my other hard drive. Right. Um, but yeah, I've got a little 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 portable one. I've never used the ones that read the cards though. You know, like the card duplicators. Yeah, that's what I'm looking for. I'm just googling yeah. now while you're chatting. And I'm there's ch- a ton of them. And in fact, actually, one of the really good ones that I've seen. Oh, sorry, when I say good ones, not from experience, but in terms of from a, in theory is actually some of these new little hard drives that are Wi-Fi hard drives. Because what you can do is you can plug your memory card into your phone using like the little SD card adapter. Yeah. And then it Wi-Fi's the photos across. So basically it's an external hard drive, but you can actually, um, you can manage it as well. So some of those hard drives that you plug your card into, it's kind of like just dumps everything across. Um, and just gives you like a little LED light when it's done. And that scares the shit out of me because I'm like, <laughs> I want to see it. <laughs> yeah. Um, whereas yeah, those, see little, those little Wi-Fi drives, they actually act as though it's a hard drive plugged in and you can plug your SD drive in. So you can like kind of select the files and then copy them over and you can see them on there right. um, as a list. So so that looks pretty cool. And I'm pretty sure SanDisk has got a rugged version as well. Um that you can do, you can use. So they're, they're waterproof and drop proof and stuff. And they've got like a carabiner clip and things. So if you yeah. happen to be on a raft on a river, you'd, you'd be pretty safe. Right. Yeah. Well, but that said though, how many, how many shots would you, like if you, if you were, I mean, aerial photography is different because that's, you are shooting probably high volume. Very high. Yeah. But with your, um, you know, if you were doing a landscape trip, doesn't matter where it was. Yep. You probably how many photos are you belting out in a day, really? Oh, you know, maybe you know five hundred. So you're not not a lot. No, it was just this yeah. one, just this one trip where we didn't have the opportunity to download that. I just obviously wanted to have more than one copy, and mm. so it was um, 
it wasn't nerve wracking. It wasn't like I, I was stressing about it every day. It was more just obviously I was relieved to get back to Hobart with yeah. drowning my cameras and then obviously being able to download them as soon as possible to make those files secure. So um, having the other thing, the other option, um, the other memory card strategy that I've used in the past, I don't use it anymore because I'm using faster cards and it's too expensive. But um, when you have a when you can get away with sort of slower cards, um, you if you're going away on a five day trip, you take five memory cards with you. Yes. No, sorry, not five. Sorry, if you're going on a, a five day trip, you take away say three memory cards. Yeah. Yep. Day one, you use card one. Day two, card two. Day three, card three. Day four, card one again. Yeah. Day five, card two. Day six, card three. Rotate and you, you cycle yep. them. Right. So that firstly, if, if you have an error or a corruption, you, you're not going to lose everything from a one chunk of your trip. You sort of lose days one, three, seven, whatever it is. Yes. Um, days. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but also, um, I guess if you were um, if you were to lose your card or your camera gets stolen, which is yep. realistically, I think probably the more likely thing for most people when they travel is their camera is going to get lost or stolen. Right. Um, then, then yeah, again, you sort of have some saving grace. You've not lost absolutely everything from one chunk because the the biggest risk is you go on a Tom Part aerial workshop and Tom says, "Hey, make sure you bring at least a terabyte worth of memory card storage." And which makes sense because you're going to shoot a lot of photos. So you yep. bring that, but then you might not end up shooting all that much. So you end up filling one card and having three dead empty cards with you. Yes. And so you've not actually spread any of the risk at all. You've literally got everything yeah, on one point. card. Yeah. Um, well, <laughs> well, to, to wrap up, um, it's, it's a great tip, tip, by the way. Thanks. Um, on the very last day on this rafting adventure, um, one of the... We went to this spectacular little place called Lost World, which basically help out of the the, the, the raft. You wade through waist deep water through this very dark cave to get to the other side to walk through this beautiful rainforest, right? And this guy got back. Um, he wasn't on our expedition, by the way. We just had met these guys along the way and decided that with the rising water levels, it was best that we team up with this other company to help them through and or, or, or help each other. And he had a little compact card that he had in the pocket of his vest that he was wearing. And when he got back from being in this lost world thing, they were like, oh, make sure you brush all the gravel and, and mud and stuff off you. He took his vest off, dunked it in the water several times next to the craft, put it back on and then realized that his camera wasn't in there. Oh, not good. And this camera had fallen into this waste, if not chest deep water, and it is not clear at all oh. into the mud and we spent probably 10 minutes trying to find it with you know walking around on our feet just kicking things around hoping that we'd kick something solid could not find the camera and that was eight days worth of photographs of theirs just gone mm, yeah and that's that there's, there's the exact the exact thing we're talking about isn't it yeah i mean as you said if he'd swapped the the card out he would have only lost a portion of the trip as opposed to all eight days Exactly. I was exactly. devastated for him. But by the same token, when we were looking, I'm like, this is needle in a haystack stuff. Like this yeah. is dark as we can't just sort of like duck dive down and put our goggles on and hope to find it because the visibility is not, not there at all. So, But good news, someone in the future when the Franklin <laughs> River probably eventually will get damned because some idiot will do that and it'll no, end no up way. drying up and then there'll be a memory card poking out of the mud and someone will be like, wait, what's that? What's, what's and they'll else? open it up and he will probably become a world famous photographer <laughs> for the, the images, the lost images in the lost world. I don't, I don't.
a whole series. This is it. This is it. You've made me laugh far too much again. Um, great to catch up with you. Thanks very much for um, hearing about all my adventures. And uh, what's what's in store for you between now and Christmas, Matthew? Um, that's <laughs> uh, honestly, uh, hopefully a bit of sleep. Yes, um, better. No, really I've got my better. workshops running uh, nonstop now, which is good. Have you got and, spaces um, available? If anyone was wanting to book on, what would they do? Uh, yeah, there's some spaces available for my December workshops. Uh, yep. And I've put dates up until the end of March. So jump on the website, mattcrummonsphotography.com.au uh, or just Google me. Um, what else am I doing? I'm, I'm, I'm recording a little bit of content. Um I'm heading oh. to a cherry farm in Wangaratta today, actually, to do a shoot, which will be interesting. Oh, wow. That's a bit um, of a drive. It is, yeah. Just doing a little overnighter there. And, yeah, uh, yeah to be honest, just cruising, keeping things uh, yeah, keeping things going, getting back to the real world after being away for a little while. So, yeah. And with this weather, to be honest, hibernating a lot too because it's pretty rubbish. <laughs> We're like nine, ten days away from, from summer, summer in a very commas starting. It is just ridiculous. It's, it's making me very sad, to be honest. It's crazy. I'm, I'm not a big believer. By the way, this is a little sort of rant of mine. I'm not a big believer in the whole summer starting on the 1st of December. I'm more around the equinoxes and the solstice. So to me, summer really doesn't start until about a, another month, another four weeks. Around yeah. the summer solstice when the day's longest. That, you know, people go, oh, it's March and it's still so warm. It's like summer, and it's, but it's autumn. And I'm like... Nah, summer really goes from sort of like 22nd of December through to the 22nd of March. It's like winter. Yeah. Winter doesn't really arrive until the end of June and mm. lasts about six months in Melbourne at these days apparently. Yeah, that's it. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so we're experiencing it. Hey, mate, great to catch up with you and, yeah. um, and uh, look forward to it again soon. Are we going to do it again? You're not jumping ship to go on the other show? No? Oh, that's good news. I look forward to it as well. I love you, Matt. Love you. Bye. See ya. See ya.